0: I'll drink to that, where we get behind the scenes of the beverage business. I'm Levi Dalton.
1: I'm Erin Scala.
0: And here's our show today. Elisabetta Fagioli of Montanitoli on the show today. Hello, how are you?
1: I'm fine. It's a beautiful day in New York today. It's perfect.
0: So you were born in Rome?
1: I was born in Rome, yes. Many years ago I was born in Rome. In November, a beautiful day of November.
0: And your family was from the Verona area?
1: My family was from Verona, from an old family of teachers and professors. and They knew many languages. They were very cultured people.
0: But there was wine in the family as well?
1: Of course, of course. You know, wine is in people of Custodza, where they had a property and they had their own vineyards. It was very easy to make. You you needed the bread and wine. That was the basics for life.
0: That was about 1944 that you were born.
1: No, I was born. Well, uh, as a matter of fact, I am... I am eighteen years old. For I mean, it's thirty-seven years that I am eighteen years old, because as the as it goes in Paris, a woman is always born at forty.
0: <laughs> but what decade are we talking about? When were you living in Rome?
1: I was living in Rome while well, there was a war, you know.
0: So was the. So first.
1: I was born in Roma. Then we had to go to Verona. We had very very difficult and tragic experiences during the war because, uh, you know, the war was hitting very brutally Italy. And Verona was uh, the right way of the canal for Germany to Italy. And so all the trains that went to Germany and passed uh, through Verona were very strongly uh, destroyed for the war. The Germans were there, and then came the Americans. And so I, I lived what was the war, really. And it was a very important experience. My father was taking Jews into Switzerland with his Red Cross car, and I remember the Nazis coming during the night to take him. It was very, 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 how do you say, touching experiences for a little girl.
0: Did you see him again?
1: Of course, he was He was a very triumphant, wonderful person, that he was always a winner. He has always been a winner during his life.
0: So he passed something on to you then?
1: Well, oh no, I am just a shadow of my father, I'm sorry. What, what else
0: was he? was he like? Who was he like as a person?
1: He was a very cultured person. He was reading his Greek and his Latin, very easily. He gave me the gospel in Greek and Latin. And so now my gospel is Greek and Latin. <laughs> That's all I know about my gospel. It's very nice, it's very nice. He was, he was a very, very smart person, very smart. He tried to stop the war between France and Italy. He was very powerful too, but he, nobody knew how powerful he was. He was a very, how do you say, Modest person, he didn't show a lot of himself, and he was he helped a lot of people. So he had a great sense of humanity and a great sense of of sharing, and that's what we are going, want to do, and we want to go on in sharing, because our world is so small, and we are so stupid. We don't understand that our life is very shortened. It makes no sense to battle each other for what. What is the sense? Just just share a little glass of wine and all your problems will become very easily solved. This is my thought. And I would love to, to give a lot of wine to drink to all these Arabs that are so nasty now. Their problem is they don't drink wine. It's a tragedy. This is the main tragedy for
0: them. You studied art in Rome in your 20s.
1: Well, I studied art in Roma. I've always loved art, I loved music. I was very lucky because I had a very cultured uh, milieu where I could live. And then uh, I went in, in the Far East, I lived in Japan. I went three times in India, visiting. And then I went twice in Cambodia, visiting. That's why I ended up in Paris, studying Cambodian art. Because Cambodia was once French, you know, it was a French uh, colony or whatever was it, I don't know. So all the beautiful things of uh, Cambodia and all the studying about Cambodia are at the Louvre and at the Musée So I had the chance to go and study
0: there. And you were traveling to Asia when you were married?
1: Yes, yes, because I married when I was 20, and my husband was canning tuna. So I, I went with him and helped him with his job, and when I was free, I could visit. I could visit Japan, and it was very important. As you have a wife, Japanese wife, it's very beautiful. I, I traveled, In I went to Koyasan, I went to Ise, I went to Kyoto, to Nara to Miyajima, that is very beautiful. I used to speak a little bit of Japanese because I loved going with the peasants, sharing the sunshine, sunset and sunshine, both. It was very beautiful. And I learned a lot out of from Ishan spirit. It was a great, great, big experience for me that it was very, um, how do you say, Greek and Latin based. My civilization is Mediterranean. So, it, it was very interesting, very important to, to know more about Japan, about India, about Cambodia. It was very important, fundamental.
0: And you were there post the war, in Japan No, was... no,
1: no, no. No, no, I'm not so old than that. I was a child during the war. Then I married in 58, so I was there in the 60s. It was the time when Japan was recovering and it was wonderful to hear, to assist to the kendo. Kendo, they, they, they were all uh, they were all in banks. All the samurai, they were all now retired, working in the banks. But in early in the morning, they went to exercise kendo, and it was fantastic, fantastic. And it was fantastic how they were sitting, uh, how do you say, uh, one against the others, without looking at each other, and. At exactly the same moment, they got up, they turned, and they began to fight. Exactly in the same moment. I don't know how they did that, really. It was impossible for me to understand. But this is incredible. The power of the spirit is incredible. And so now, that's why I think that we are so poor in spirit now, and our civilization is destroying very quickly everything. We are all for money, for technique, and for power, that's all we want. And it's so sad that there is a big uh, unbalance in our life. So we very, very badly need to recover what is sensibility, what is the feeling of things, so important, and that's why I hope that my foundation will have an echo and will be supported by many people because in my foundation I want an old and a young for one month from all, of, all over the world to join other another young and another old. I would love a young and an old Republican American with a young and an old uh, uh, Democrat American so that they can come and without discussing, just keep their mouth closed and just hear what the nature can tell them. And they will have a lot of help and a lot of presence from us We are not teaching anything. Nature will teach. Nature will tell the truth because everybody has its own truth. And the the only problem is that they they don't shut up and they don't try to find it. That's why they are so unsettled, all of them. That is my feeling. And that is the purpose of the foundation.
0: So you arrived in Montanitoli in 1965?
1: Yes. I arrived there with nine different children. They were all very difficult. They all needed freedom and uh, nature and uh, good air. And there they found uh, themselves. And uh, in a few years they were all very happy and they all went away very happily uh, in their own different lives.
0: So some of them were adopted children and some of them were your children?
1: No, 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 they were not adopted. Two were my children. And the other seven were difficult children that were that Sergio was taking care of. Sergei was a very, very great teacher,
0: and he was your partner.
1: Well, he was the teacher. I met him as the teacher of my son, but then, uh, of course, he became my companion for forty-five years. We lived together for forty-five years, but the children were there whenever holidays were present. They came. They were not adopted. They went back to the families but they were all difficult children. And so they found a way, and that was very important. And that is why that we, we always took care of difficult children in one way or the other, but he was an incredible psychologist. And he knew with a little few words to touch the soul of an unsettled person. And they, I remember how long they stayed speaking about everything and nothing, And then these youngsters went away so happy and so released and relieved, and this is a greatness. These are riches that we that we don't uh, we don't care for. They are so important. The spirituality and the help and the sharing of each other. uh, These are riches that nobody is taking care of because money, 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 technique, 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 and all the rest is nothing.
0: You had lost a child; that she died at a young age.
1: Yes, I lost a little girl, uh, but she lived very shortly. But that it was because uh, she she had the problems with her heart. But uh, this was very sad. But uh, you know, you have many sad things in your life, and I am sure that is uh, grief that makes you an adult. It's not uh, it's not success that makes you an adult.
0: Do you feel that that loss informed your later work with children?
1: No, not really, no. Because a newborn child is something very, it has a lot to, to do and to mean to a mother, but not to a, to a young man, a young child, a young person and a youngster Have all different worlds, they are already in this world and they are not newborn little creatures that come from eternity. So and this is an all another thing.
0: When you arrived, it's quite a big property in Tuscany.
1: Yes, it came bigger and bigger, little by little. Yes, because you know, year after year, you found somebody was living, and so, and so it became 500 acres. That means two hundred hectares makes five hundred acres, more or less.
0: About sixty of that is vines, right? About sixty acres or
1: twenty-four hectares. That makes how much? Maybe one hundred.
0: No, 2.3 to the, to the acre. Well, was, okay. I think it's about 60, okay. okay, I think.
1: But the good thing is that it's surrounded by the woods, and it's unpolluted, totally unpolluted on the top of a mountain. And this is very, very beautiful.
0: And how did you find it?
1: Well, uh, with my grandmother's money. My grandmother left. She was a very smart person because when she died, she said, oh, you, my children, you are well off. So I must give the money to my nephews. And with the money my grandmother, I bought the land. And so, there was the place for my kids.
0: How did you identify that parcel? Or how did she identify it? How did she find that place?
1: No, she didn't find it, I found it. Yeah. Well, I went there because of, of art again. I see. Because Siena is, uh, has been a very incredible civilization. Uh, It has been a very beautiful moment of our history. Just before the Renaissance, you know, uh, Siena was very slickly connected with Asia. And at the same time with uh, Europe, with the communes of Europe. And uh, the sense of mystic life was slowly broken like spring. And so there was now the new... Paintings about nature. It was not only praying God and waiting for God and uh, to earn paradise, but it's also to get and enjoy the beauties of our life, of our terrestrial life. But it was a beautiful balance between the known and the unknown.
0: You're yeah. talking about like Duccio, like that, yes. that kind of painter.
1: About Duccio, about Simone Martini, about these beautiful Madonnas with their golden back. The golden back is eternity. And the beautiful dresses are our beautiful life. You see, it was a mixture. And then they began to speak about the gospel. And in the gospel, you have the last dinner with a nice wine. You have the Annunciation with flowers. She's reading a nice book. And there are flowers there. And maybe there is a little I like that piece. With the winged angel. Yes.
0: The martini. Yes. Yeah, I like that piece.
1: Yes. But all the incredible beauties of the Sienese virgins is incredible. And uh, somehow, San Gimignano is part of Siena's uh, civilization.
0: So that's the part of Tuscany that's closer to Siena than Florence, San Gimignano.
1: No, wait a minute. It's, uh, San Gimignano is a difficult border place because it has always been a kind of model, a passage between Florence and Siena, a passage for all the crusaders. That went to Roma and then went to Asia, and went to the Holy Land.
0: And the Knights Templar were in of this course. area. Of course,
1: that's why, that's why the Knights Templars lived in in San Gimignano and at Montenigrelli. The Templar knights, you know, they they come from Burgundy. You know, Templar knights come from Burgundy.
0: I didn't know that actually.
1: So Henri the Payne was the the son of a uh, count of Champagne. At that time, you know, no television, many children. So there was the first one inherited the land. The second one went to be a bishop in the church. The third one went in chivalry or something. The fourth as a, as a, in the abbeys as a monk or something like that. So Ari the Pain, after the, the first crusade, took eight of his friends. They didn't know what to do. They had to find their own way in life. So they went down to Jerusalem, and they went to Baudouin, the King Baudouin I, and they told him, if you give us some food and lodging, we are going to help all the pilgrims. So he, the King Baudouin, said, okay, you can go and stay on the bottom, just in the last wing of my castle. And the last wing of the castle happened to be on the holy wall, you know, the holy wall of Jerusalem.
0: Like the Wailing Wall, or different?
1: the Wailing Wall, and so they were called the Templars because the Wailing Wall was the old temple.
0: Oh, I see, I see.
1: So they co- were called the Templars for that because they were living on the wing wall of the castle that was on the on the temple. You see how funny is history and how things get related. But the Templars had a very; they wanted to be very religious, so they voted themselves to the Pope. And to get a rule, Henri de Payne went to his neighbor, he, and his neighbor was St. Bernard. And St. Bernard was a very good drinker. He was a Burgundy man. He came from a good family of vignerons, very probably, in Burgundy, and he was at least a third or fourth child because he was a little monk in the Abbey, but he wanted something else and something more. So he got three or four or eight, I think, of his companions, and he asked uh, uh, to the abbey, to the, what you call it, the boss of the abbey, I don't know, what's his name, I don't remember, to go to in the land that his father was lending to him, or giving to him, because it was a bad land. It was, uh, it was a valley of bad uh, waters. So he called it Clairvaux, he called it Clear Waters instead of waters, And Clairvaux became the center of the world because in 25 years he succeeded to get 700 abbeys around the world of his monks, of the sisters and monks. And he made a rule. But one of the reasons of such a success, I am sure, is due to wine. Because in his rule, it's written, and he is the only one to do such a wonderful thing, he said, you can drink wine as much as you need. I don't give you a prescription. You have your own body. You have to decide how much wine you can drink in order to heat your heart, your mind, and your body. You see? That was a very smart thing to do. And so the tempers got the rule from St. Bernard. And I I make a wine that is devoted to the Templars and on the back label, I'm sorry that you can't read it because in the States it all comes with these terrible rules that you have. I wanted to crown the rule of St. Bernard around your prescriptions, but I was advised not to do it. Otherwise, my wine would never come back to the States anymore because you can't say anything against law. But uh, the law of drinking as much as you need, I don't think it's such a bad law, don't you think? I hopefully, maybe prescri- American prescriptions will change with the of St. Bernard, why not? That would be wonderful. But anyway, I'm joking, I fully respect the law and whatever is with the law.
0: When you arrived at Montanitli, were there vines there already?
1: Of course, they were abandoned, totally abandoned. Because you know, last century was terrible for the for the land because two terrible wars and all the industry took away all the all the peasants from the from the country. And the countryside was very poor, there was no water, there was no electricity. And people used to live as they did during the Middle Ages. There was no progress there. So now all people came back, they're coming back now to the to the country, but in a different way. The old civilization of peasants, I think it's practically lost. I had the luck to find them, still some, in 65. In 65, there were still many peasants
0: around. You, You learn things from them.
1: Yes, of course you learn, but you learn from everything. First of all, you learn from the soil. Remember, you learn from nature. You learn from uh, from the silence. You have to bend towards the earth, and then you learn, because people think to know. They don't understand that they have to clean their minds before before going to things. People always always go with preventions, to everything. Something has been given to them since their childhood, and this is terrible. They will never open and clear up their minds to be open-minded to things, to new things. And that's what I want to do with the foundation. They have to have no television, no Wi-Fi, no cell phones during the day. They will be allowed one hour in the evening. But for the rest, they have really to clean up and, and open themselves. Also meditation. Meditation is always something that they, it's, it's teachings to you. It's not, you don't need to be taught, you need to learn. You need to learn by yourself, I think. That's the most important thing. And that's the way, also the way that I make the wines at Montenegro. I I stay three months before harvest, I always stay with my vines. I speak with my vines, I see how they go, what happened, what's going to happen, and, and then little by little we reach harvest. And I know how to pick the grapes because I, I've been with them. You see? I, I don't need cultured people to say, oh, you, this is the day, you should do this and this and this. No. I can be mistaken by myself, but the wine has to be done in the vineyards and not in the cellar. This is the big secret. Anyway, I think that life is a big experience. It's a wonderful experience. And old age gives you You know, every moment of your life is very good, very important. And the old age gives you more profoundness. You go back to your roots. Like in winter, vines, you think that they are dying, but they're not dying. They are just living life in order to go down into the roots of the soil and, and find themselves with what is their truth. That means the stones and the soil. This is their truth. This is the way that they will make good grapes afterwards. But uh, to make good grapes, you must never hurt a vine. A vine is something alive. So we prune them only in winter when they sleep. We never have green prunings, never. We never or very rarely take away grapes from them. We never hurt them because they have to have their natural life. I think uh, when I see all these vineyards properly cut up with all these tractors coming and going inside and outside, I think that these poor things are shocked by all these violence they receive. And they go on trying to make more leaves, and they have no time for the grapes, because all the energy goes to make more leaves. I don't understand why these smart people don't understand such a simple truth. You know, these truths come from nature. If you just speak to a vine, she tells you what she needs. And it's not the smart people in town that will tell you what you have to do with them in the countryside. It's very funny, when I see people, especially in towns, but everywhere, they cross a plant even a plant in a pot, and they don't see it. They move it and cross it, and move the branches of this poor plant, because they don't see it. It's incredible. They, they
0: knock into it, they walk into walk Yes, into they it walk move and they, don't, it, bump they it. don't pay attention to it, right.
1: because it doesn't exist for them. I think they're very poor people, because they, they, they have no feeling of nature. They don't know what is nature. What do they know? They know that money has to be there, that the job has to go on this way and that way. That, uh, yes, of course, they will have half an hour of this, half an hour of that, that they're going to make love with a partner, so-and-so, eat so-and-so, do so-and-so, and their life is gone with nothing. It's terrible, no profoundness, no life and all that. I think it's, it's so many things to, to know, but in simple ways. Nobody is teaching you how to hear. Nobody is teaching you how to to shut up and feel yourself. And how to, to, you should meditate. It's not a meditation that has to go because uh, they taught you how to do it. Meditation is something that comes from from yourself. This is my belief.
0: So you started making wine and your first release was 1971. And what kind of wine was that?
1: 71 was an incredible wine, because it was from abandoned grapes, abandoned vines, that made little grapes. So it was a little treasure. And I made the wine in the simplest way. I had not even, I have nothing. I had just a vat, and that's all I had. And uh, what it was incredible lucky is that uh, it went to, I took these bottles, to one who was the big, uh, uh, the big uh, guru of Italian wines, that was uh, Luigi Veronelli. Sure, and he he said that this was his true one, and he put it at once among his best wines, and that was wonderful. And he wrote the most beautiful things about me. And after that. I went at once into the world of the important white, But uh, all these journalists, all, they all wanted money out of me. And I was telling them, you must give money to me. I'm not giving money to you. I
0: buddy. forgot to ask you. Sorry. I should have asked you for money. I apologize.
1: Yeah, I said no. You are <laughs> going to pay. You are going to pay if you want. Because <laughs> I, 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 it's my life. It's, I'm giving you my truth, my work, my life. But that, it was the big, big, but still now everybody is paying. If you, go, if you go to my wine magazines, you can find one or two that are true winemakers. All the others are paying, guests, all of them. You can see always the same wines going on and on and on. Nothing is changing there. But it's very easy. It's a question of marketing. It's
0: not a question of, of truth. So your first wine was red or white?
1: The first wine was a true Chianti of other times. That was made mm-hmm. out of white and red grapes, as it used to be done, because it came from the abandoned grapes of Chianti. But I went on making that kind of Chianti with white and red grapes, and then I, now I make also the Chianti only with red grapes, and then I make the Sanchovese pure Sancho Vese, and now, at last, I am selling in Magnum's, Offering in magnums for the foundation the fruit of the Triassic. The Triassic soil is up on the top of the hill and it's a red, very rich wi- wine that makes an incredible wine. I have so now, it's a
0: red soil where you have red vines planted.
1: Yes, these are the vines of the Triassic. I have also red wines coming from further down. That is the, on the quaternary soil. What? You know, the sea was coming in. And that's why in San Gimignano you can do some white, good white wine because of the marine sediments.
0: So a lot of times you put the white vines on the marine sediments and then the red vines on the the terrasico.
1: No, no, no. The, The Triassico is now only for the foundation. I see. And it's very rocky. I just planted the plants. They have to find their own way. From, I planted some in 2002. The first grapes came to, in 2007, it took them five years to give me proper grapes. And again, I have to cover them with a net in August, otherwise birds will eat everything. The birds come. But you know, vines that give you some fruit after five years, that means they go very down into the rocks. And thanks to God, the soil is, the rock is cavernous. That means it has holes. So the roots go down into the holes of the air, and they go very deep down. You see, if, if you do as they do in modern times, they work a lot, the soil, they clean it all up, they take off everything, then they add chemicals. This is not wine, what is it? This is a kind of, of drink of something that has no sense. So.
0: You made Chianti.
1: I make 11 different wines. So it's very small quantities of very different wines. I make five reds, five whites, and a rosé. Only from the grapes of vernaccia, that is the white variety of San Gimignano, local variety.
0: When did you start making vernaccia?
1: Only later, in 84, because I didn't feel that Tuscany was a place for white wines. I see. I had a great luck when I was young, because my, of course, in Valpolicella and Custodza, there is good white wine.
0: Where your family's from?
1: Yes. And I had a French uncle that was good, very good friend of my father. Well, it's an adopted uncle, really. And he was taking always burgundy wines down to us. So, uh, very young, I got the taste of Burgundy wines. And funnily enough, many people say that Montenitoli wine has some Burgundy taste, especially
0: the white. The, the Carato does, I think, yeah.
1: Yeah, oh.
0: I mean, for me. Yes, you know yes, uh, yes. You could put it in the Cote de bon, I think.
1: Like, yes, <laughs> that is, but uh, I, I, love, uh, I love Burgundy. I have many friends in Burgundy, and uh, I, I love their wines. But again, the grapes have to be local. It's no sense to to. I I don't I don't understand why Italy, that is such a rich uh, land for so many different varieties of of grapes, they went on into Chardonnay and Cabernet and Syrah and Malo. They destroy the truth of our grapes. And in fact, in my brand, it's written I am from I, sono Sonomontanidoli, means I am Montanidori, I am my soul, I am myself. Neither better nor worse, but I am myself. And this is what I said in in 71 with my first wine. And I was speaking about terroir very many years before, it all spread out like a fashion. Like about organic wines. My family has always been organic for 300 years. I am organic. I've always been, it's nature, it's truth. It's obvious to be organic if you want to do something serious. And I will never, never write on my labels that I am organic. It's, uh, I will never subdue to these stupid fashions that are now. Everybody is afraid of sulfur, but they put sulfur even into the, the food of children. Why they should not in the wine? The Roman people used to put sulfur in the wine. It's it's such an an incredible stupid madness of thinking to to know something only because you learn three or four good things about wine, and so now it has to be without sulfur, it has to be organic, it has to be this, it has to be that, because it was taught. Now, if you please put your nose into the wine, you will find out if it's truly organic or not. You don't have to, to read what is written. You have to find out by yourself. It's always going back to the same thing. You must grow yourself to be yourself. That's all you want.
0: So you decided to plant Vernaccia.
1: Yes, because when I saw the marine sediments, I said yes, that is true, the mother is for white. But remember, the college is for the red. That's why I always call Vernaccia the red of the white wines.
0: I see. So you feel it has red wine character, even though it's a white wine grape? Yes,
1: because it has not many perfumes at the beginning. It gets a bouquet with time. It needs to be aged, like the red wine. I don't I don't agree with these Vernaccia uh, people that are selling the wine so young, because when it's young, it's yes, it's a little wine, but it can improve. It, it's a wine that can age, that can have something, but you have to give time for that.
0: And it has thick skins, or? Oh yes, of course.
1: We have skin contact with all our grapes. All our grapes go into skin contact, and instead of sulfur, you see, not to put a lot of sulfur. It's a question of balance. It's a question of good sense. I never use sulfur at the beginning because I use a lot of CO2 and nitrogen. I wash the the musts. With, these, uh, with nitrogen and CO2, so that it doesn't get oxidized. I hate oxidation. The beginning is to kill them. You will never eat your apple oxidized, will you? If you, if you have an apple, oxidized apple, you throw it away. You don't eat it. The same with grapes. Of course, they will have other, other perfumes, there, but I feel they are not the same. All these um, fashion now to have the wine into, like the Greeks and the Latin into how do you call them concrete like clay. in clay in clay. Again, it's stupid. you oxidized wines, they are very richly oxidized, and so you have to put a lot of sulfur. So it's it's a stupid it's a stupid again a stupid fashion. The the Roman and the Greeks used to put other, a lot of uh, other stuff inside. You know the 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 wine was uh, was how do you say seasoned?
0: Sure, aromatized. They aromatized. added ingredients.
1: Yes, many ingredients, and many of them were anti-oxidation. So oh, I see. I see. Yes, because uh, it was they never drank a, a pure wine. The Greeks up to very shortly ago went on seasoning their wine. Now the the it's gone, but they used to add some some they had a uh, i don't remember what they put but it had another another taste a very particular taste
0: do you have a greek heritage in your family
1: no no i have uh, veronese austrian veronese austrian and russian
0: i see i see okay so where did you get the vine material where did you get the vernaccia
1: the vernaccia i went around myself I went through all the other panachchas and chose what I liked, and then I cut my my what do you call it sarmenti
0: what sure you you cut, you cut a,
1: a, a the cuttings yeah, and I had them pruned, and I had them for me, so I chose the three different kinds of varnacha. and then I was asked also to give them to somebody else and i was i was asked by Uh, San Michele al you know San Michele al So I sent them the...
0: I didn't know they made a vernaccia.
1: No, but they wanted it, and so, I had a school, I don't know, but it was many years ago.
0: So you make three vernaccia?
1: Well, yes, I make three pure vernaccia, only grapes of vernaccia. That means the first one is called the traditional vernaccia because it stays for a long time with the skins. And it begins fermentation with the skins, so it's more rustic, more peasant-like. The second one is a free-run juice. that stays on the yeasts for uh, tanks, in tank, sure. steel tanks. Mm-hmm. And it stays on the leaves for two years. The first year in steel, the second year in glass-lined cement. And then I have the third one that stays tw- for months and stays for 12 months in the barrels and another ear to blend properly, because you know, as soon as you have a, a family, they go, each of them go their own way. So all the barrels are different. And when you put them together, they have to assemble it properly. And so I have one ear in um, glass line cement.
0: And that's for the carato.
1: That's for the carato. Then I have il templare. That is made of vernaccia, trebbiano, and malvasia. Trebbiano and Malvasia are are the two white grapes of the Chianti, and they've always been there. And also Vernaccia has always been there. She was, Vernaccia was there since the since the the Etruscans. And so I I thought that the Templars, you know, the Templars were all kind of monks. They had no wives, so they had they needed wine in the morning for the mess. But then they needed also some wine in the evening. They were all alone. They had to heat up themselves somehow. So I thought that if they made a white wine, definitely it was done with the white grapes that were local. That means from tre- uh, Malbazia, and uh, Vernaccia. And in old uh, wood, because they used wood for fermentation, and of course in my old barrels. That's why it Temprari is made with old bar- in old barrels Fermented and stayed for one year in the barrels, and again one year in the vets.
0: In terms of the Vernaccia, it sounds like the differences in the bottlings are what happens in the winery. But is there anything that's different in how they're grown? Maybe the vine age or the parcel or.
1: Well, the tem- the Carato and also the Templare come from the best part. That means the highest. Because you know the wood, you need to be to be rich, to be to to be. In fact, there is more alcohol there, there is more extract, they are more rich, they are
0: more complex. So, how high is that in meters?
1: Between four hundred fifty and uh, five hundred.
0: That's pretty high.
1: Yeah, no, yeah. it begins not to be so high now because, <laughs> but uh, yes, it the it is the highest the highest the uh, vine. Uh, vines of San Gimignano, really. I see. And because I am up on the mountain, Montenedoli is the mountain just in front of San Gimignano, facing the Chianti Classico, just that mountain.
0: So what's higher, the white vines or the red vines?
1: The white vines.
0: I see. And is it closer to the bedrock?
1: Well, they go on closer, but no, they can be also underneath. I have many different vineyards. <laughs> the ones that are more underneath, they go to make fiora, and t- traditional but traditional is made with all the grapes because all the skins go to ferment together as i get the free run juice
0: oh i see so it's vernaccia juice but it's skins of Mavazi and trebbiano too
1: no 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 oh, okay. malvazi and trebbiano go on another side okay malvazi and trebbiano go to make a uh, um, vin brusco
0: yeah sure it's good
1: Yes, it's a nice wine, isn't it?
0: I like it. I mean, yes, I think it's what you called it—kind of a peasant wine once, but I, I yes. like it. You know, yes, I like more rustic wines. So.
1: Yes, because whatever is truthful, in my opinion, is good. You know, I learned in Japan that everything has its own perfection. You must find it. This is very Japanese, and on my in my cellar, I have a beautiful statue, a Greek statue. And over the statue, there, is, uh, there are some, uh, it is Achilles, you know, Achilles sure. was, mm-hmm. uh, he, he was, was wounded by an arrow.
0: Into the heel, yeah.
1: Yes. So I put on top, I put all arrows, but uh, in the Japanese way, they are not going one against the other, but they are all reaching the infinite, because they are in, uneven. And so that you have an incredible sense of peace. You know, if they go one against the other, it's war. But if they go to the infinite, it's they go to the to the. It's like uh, the samurai with kendo. When you have uh, to hit your enemy, you don't you don't look at him. You go to the infinite, and your hit will be incredibly stronger. That's what I learned from the kendo people, from all these samurai that were. Incredible to go and see Kendo, and they were still very strongly wounded by the war. You could hear the wounds in their hearts. I think and that's still true today. Because it was now it's over. They are oh, in I don't world. know.
0: They're, with the guys, the old, the older guys, it's still they, there's a pride thing that's hurt. There's a wounded pride.
1: Oh, thing. the pride of the samurai is incredible. The tradition of the samurai is incredible,
0: incredible.
1: And somehow I got the hint of all this. And it was very important for my education. You know, you must go inside the feelings. And we, And what is terrible, that all our world now is somehow trying to burn everything. You know, the young people, I see from my childhood up to now, everything is burned quickly, you know, and there is, Everything is changing. But what is important is to change in a better, not in the worst. But we are all getting together very quickly, very quickly,
0: I think. So you make a Canaiolo rosé.
1: Yes, my Canaiolo rosé is coming from Canaiolo. And I was, uh, that time I was, there was one, we tried to know better about our grapes. I see. So there was one, one year, we were very, very attentively having canaiolo on one side, Sangiovese on the other side. And while we were pumping up the must, and Sergio, my companion, was pumping up the canaiolo. And he said, this is a perfect rosé, because it, it has it's less uh, strong than uh, Sangiovese. It has the perfumes. It's very perfumed and it's good to be a, a rosé. And since then, it was 78, I think, so, yes, 78. We made a very nice rosé and it was asked in, uh, in Belgium among the table wines, because at that time they were all table wines. And uh, in Italy they wanted to say that also table wines could be good. By the way, the Solomon. My all my best wines were table wines, and I didn't care to do better than that. I. I it's not what it's written; it's what it's inside. It's the name of the property. You know, there is not a, a cant equal to the other, unless it is, uh, uh, you know, industrially made. But if you have a wine grower, you will see that the personality and the soil of the place will give the difference, and. This is the reason why I hope that the small producers will have some future in their lives. Because now everything is getting together very quickly, very quickly. Again, everything is industry. But this kind of truths, I hope they will survive.
0: Canaiolo as a grape. Yeah. What does it taste like?
1: The taste of canaiolo is uh, very salty, very mineral, And uh, as I pick it before the whites, it's high acidity, and I like it to be, what I call it, the Schweppes, or maybe the champagne for the poor, because I leave it on the leaves as soon as the fermentations are finished, I bottle it, so that it stays very fresh. I mean, I need the freshness there. I need it to be pleasant and to be drinkable. And it is the only wine I bottle of the vintage, very quickly. All the others have to wait.
0: So basically when the fermentation is done, converting the sugar, you bottle it.
1: Oh, yes. January, maximum, beginning February.
0: So in a way, it's kind of like a nouveau. It's just a rosé. What? Well, it's a free-run nouveau. in a way.
1: Yes, of course it's a free-run juice because it's taken at once, taken away. Then, of course, all the canaiolo goes back to the red wines. And it goes very often to the Garulo, that is the old uh, Chianti with white and red grapes.
0: Which you started making in about 89.
1: Well, but Garulo, I made, uh, 71 was a, if you want, 71 was made with white and red grapes. Sure, yeah. sure, so that idea. So I, the, don't, I don't remember, I must go through all my story, I don't know.
0: <laughs> but the, uh,
1: Remember, this is Japanese, uh, destroy your past glories. It's written in my studio, they destroy your past glories. Every year is new, every year is something new too.
0: But the Garulo, which is a blend of white and red grapes in the old tradition of Chianti, is made with Toscana Governa, where you dry it and you...
1: No, Toscana Governa is different. Toscana Governo, you dry the grapes, and then you add them for the secondary fermentation, and then the use, once upon a time, was to bottle it like a Lambrusco with the, with the freshness of the fermenta- secondary fermentation.
0: So do you do a wine that's informed by that? Not now. I, I used see, to. I it see. was
1: very popular. I made that kind of wine for a certain period. Then, uh, I don't know why, but we left that habit. But we used to pick the best grapes, let them dry, and then put them again in the, into the wine.
0: It's kind of like what they do in Valpolicella, so.
1: Yes, that is the yes, but that's another. But they, they wait a long time. They put it in March, I think they make that real. Well, my family comes from uh, from Valpolicella, and I was born. No, I was born in Roma, but during the war, I was in Valpolicella.
0: Oh, I see. So they took you out of Rome, and so that's why you were spending time in the vineyards.
1: Well, at that time, I was five years old for the first time I began to get drunk with wine. Because during the war everybody was very busy, and they s- they asked the children to crush the grapes. You know, they put the children in the in the to crush, but well, as they used to do with the uh, by uh, with the feet. You sure. know, they used to do that, and so we were very happy crushing the grapes on the bed. But then, when all the old people went away, we began to drink the juice, and the juice became wine. And so, at the last, at the end, we were all deadly drunk. But that that was good for our, how do you call it, anticorps <laughs> for wine. But wine is uh, has been drunk in my family, always. You drink wine all the time, no no matter how old you are.
0: So you make the Garulo, and then you also make a Chianti Colli Senesi. And what, what would be the difference between those two things? The so usually...
1: Garulo has white and red grapes, and uh, Chianti and Sinesi. They are both Chianti Colli Senesi because... In the Chianti Collisionese, you have the right to put also the white grapes. And the second one has, it's very easy. You only have four different kinds of grapes. Two reds, Sangiovese and Canaiolo, and the two whites, Trebbiano and Albazia. So, with the four of them, I make Il Garulo. With the two reds, I make Il Chianti, the modern Chianti. And with Sangiovese, I make Sono Montanitoli. Now, then, with the two whites, I make also Il Templare, with the free juice, and uh, Il Vimbrusco. Not always, because not always I have enough.
0: I found that the Sono is a pretty dense wine. It takes some time to, to age.
1: Yes, because once they told me that I'm making a female red. So I said, ah! You want me to have a macho, a big ma- masculine dress? Ah, you'll find me. And so I had very long fermentations. And you know, for instance, the 2001 that was undrinkable is now very nice.
0: I like that wine, I've had it many times. Actually,
1: You had 2001?
0: Yeah, Sonoma. Yeah,
1: but now way. I kept 3,000 bottles of that because I didn't sell a lot of it because a lot of people didn't like it. but. Uh, it, uh, it's very it was very wise because it was also uh, the September 11th vintage. And now I have 3,000 bottles there for the foundation. And this is very important to me because this foundation needs a lot of money. And I have five magnums, 2007, 8, 9, 10, 11, of only magnums that come all from the red soil of the Triassic. And I have very little of them, 400 magnums, you know? It's very little, 400 magnums out of, of all that property of, on the Triassic. And the 3,000 3, bottles of 2001. So this wine is very, very precious, and it has to be sold only for the foundation, to support the foundation.
0: And the foundation is something you started after Sergio died, kind of in his memory.
1: Yes, but no, it's not kind of his memory. Uh, many people, I think it's, it's. We always thought to do something to do that, and uh, we, because of the children. When the children went away, we thought now we we go we go to we are going to to make something of that. Sergio wanted to be for children and for studying for making research for the wine and whatever is involved with wine. I always thought also for old people because I feel that old people are even poorer than the young. Because you know, when you have little to live and you have lost your sense of life for many different reasons, it's very, very sad. I think to give a little hit of of youth to an old man, a man that has no money, that is alone, that maybe is ill. To give them the truth for the
0: future. So you you bring them to the estate and they stay there?
1: for. for one, well, I have to build everything. I need a lot of money. I need a lot of people to help me. At least them to to buy my ones that are, of course, they are more expensive. But in Burgundy, they told me that the price is very fair.
0: Oh, I think so. I think.
1: No, no, not your the usual ones. The prices are one. great, though. Yes, the prices of the market, but the ones for the foundation are much higher. I see. I see. I'll give you the prices. I'll have them here.
0: I'll show you Well, everything. I'll take your word for it. But...
1: No, no. But you, not only you take your word, but please, you help me to, to tell people that they have to support this foundation and they can buy these wines for... They, they, they will be very happy having these
0: wines. So you also started making a Colorino in 2012. Yes, Why did you do that? Because
1: I didn't know anything. I didn't know. I knew very little about Colorino. And of course, I was a, a very good friend of Giulio Gambelli. That was the one that made uh, Montevertine. I'm
0: sure, some of the best wines I've ever had were Gambelli well, uh consulting.
1: Gambelli. Gambelli was an incredible person. What
0: was he like? as a
1: person? Very simple. Very simple. Very modest. And... Uh, he was giving his uh, his wisdom to everybody, without asking, and many people took advantage of him. Many because he was very very straightforward, and he had such an incredible nose. You know how I met him? I, it was seven o'clock in the morning, eight o'clock, very early. I was going to Roma, and I was I, I wanted to check some something, so I took. My wines to the analysis to make analysis in uh, what you call it an analysis sure, like a uh, lab. in the lab, sure. And then I saw a man there. He had a long file of a bottle of of glasses of red wine, and he was tasting them. It was eight o'clock in the morning. So I asked him, "May I, may I join you?" He said, "If you share, yes, I can. You, I can share." And so I went on tasting with him. And uh, it was very interesting. And then we became very good friends.
0: He was a good taster. Perfect,
1: perfect. But he was leaving the wine in the glasses or in the half bottles and tasting again and again and again. That's what I do in my cellar always.
0: How would he describe wine? He? How did he talk about
1: it? Uh, No... I mean, all this nonsense of uh, perfume stories, this is a sommelier business. They have to paint in their painting. But a wine, you must get the truth of the wine. The truth of the wine is his equilibrium, his strength, his longevity. This is what is important for a wine. Then you can paint whatever you want around it. The perfumes you can. There is uh, so many colors you can put inside, so many odors you can put inside. You leave it to the fantasy of people.
0: So he used to talk about a wine's balance and structure.
1: He didn't talk a lot. We tasted. You know, again, this is the true way to teach. You have to understand. You have to, remember the Zen. Are you fond of Zen Buddhism?
0: I mean. I wouldn't think that I knew anything about it, really. But it's an appealing uh, philosophy.
1: Yes. Then is just to be together and then you understand. That's all. You don't have somebody teaching you.
0: So meeting him, in a way, led to the production of the colorino?
1: No. Uh, yes, I wanted to know something of the colorino. So I put a few rows of colorino and I began to make colorino. I enjoyed making colorino. And there it was, and it was very good.
0: I like it. I had it recently. Yes. It was quite good, I thought. So 12 was the first year.
1: Yes, I think so. Yes. No, wait a minute. Well, I planted it in 2006. I see. So when was it? 10, maybe. Maybe 10. 10. You know, I have a bad memory of such things. I, But I, I can tell you, I have all my, my, my papers for that.
0: And what's colorino like as a grape variety?
1: It's very red. Very... Sp- uh, How do you say the grape has very good uh, the the bare how do you call it the bare the the they're very open. I see. Yes.
0: Why do you think your one hundred percent Sangiovese is so powerful? The Son of Montan Why? What is it? uh, Well, of course I get the best.
1: Well, one thing is the one upstairs on the Triassic, the one for the foundation. Sure. That is the soil, the place, and the roots that are going in contact with the rocks. And that is one thing. Some, the Sonomontanidole inside comes from the best, very best grapes. You know I pick in the vines that have maybe two grapes, three grapes, not more than that. And I select the grapes for the Sonomontanidole.
0: So, so it bunches. It is a, a
1: big selection of the bunches, very carefully. So somewhere.
0: two, three bunches on a vine.
1: Oh yes, I, I can have two or three bunches. You know, out of my my vineyards, a norm, and another person would do four times as much sure. production.
0: How old are those vines?
1: Oh, they come from. Uh, they come from uh, seven. The first ones. What is it? After sixty-five, I began sixty-eight to plant. The first ones were the abandoned ones.
0: Sure. Do you but still have some of those?
1: Some, some, not yeah. many.
0: When do you start drinking your own wines? It seems like some of them are accessible right away, like the Vin Brusco, but then some need a long time, like the Carato, and then for the Red de Sono, Montanitoli needs a long time. When do you sort of approach drinking your own wines?
1: Well, when they're ready. When they're ready. Yeah. You need, you need time. And then again, as they are very, you know, Montanidoli is not an easy drinking wine. Not everybody likes Montenegli because many people are used to usual tastes. So if it doesn't taste that way, they don't like it. I like it. Yes, but you are a cultured person.
0: I've actually never had a Montenegli wine I didn't like. And they're very different. Like the reds can be very different in style.
1: Yes, because they have their own personality. They are all different because they are growing. They are... Vinified in different ways.
0: In terms of recent vintages, have you seen climate change, have you seen?
1: Oh, incredible, we had three years that have been very poor vintages, very little wines, and uh, very, very poor, very poor.
0: Because of heat, or?
1: Yes, because of heat. No, the first one was because of uh, so much cold that uh, that uh, killed the the... the what do you call There them? was a frost. The frost, the frost. That so got
0: yes. the buds out.
1: The buds. The second one was too much rain. Again, mm. destroyed the buds. The flowers, they went away. And then there the was heat. So the first one was heat. The second was frost. The third one was water. So three years, one worse than the other. This year, incredible, beautiful, incredible amount of production. And this is due.
0: In fourteen. You had a lot of protein
1: yes because we had no hail we had no these horrible things that happened around and as soon as it rains in our place you have uh, the wind that cleans up and then again it's the way we prune in winter we don't have grapes one on top of the other so they are all very separate and they get they, they will never, get uh, moisture for a very long time and they get dry at once.
0: So what are some of the standout years for you over your career where you've really enjoyed a particular wine for a particular year? Are there certain wines you think, oh, the karate was really good in that vintage or?
1: Oh, some of them were very good, yes. Some vintages are very good. But then it, it is always a very careful, uh, a very careful harvest. We always pick in cases and they are, most of our cases are, have holes and so there is not a drop of juice and it's very quickly and they, we don't move them from one place to the other. The grapes, when they're cut, they go at once in the little case. The little case is never full so that it, 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 the grapes are perfect, they come as if they were to eat on the table. And so when they're crushed in the cellar, at once they are washed with uh, carbon dioxide, so they are perfect, they come perfect. You know if you want good food, you get you get something in, in your garden or something very clean, and it's perfect, and it tastes perfectly. And this is the secret of good things.
0: But are there specific vintages that you happen to really enjoy of your own wines? Are there? particular years that you think boy that was one of my favorites of that of that particular wine whether it be
1: well no no they're all my children so i i always look at them very attentively i am always very critical with them and uh, i always i don't know every year has been a good year but uh, my best years funnily enough for the reds 94, that usually is to, said to be a very bad year. Yeah. I, may, I may have the most wonderful wines, in white and in red, and they still have bottles that are perfect.
0: Why do you think it is that vernacha doesn't seem to have a more really high tier, very high quality producers? Why, why is it that it seems Because to be of few.
1: culture and money. As I told you, San Gimignano is a border place. Don Gimignano is, you know, there are a lot of tourists coming. It has always been about the place between Florence and Siena. It has always had, uh, as most part of Tuscany, you have a very mystical side and a very mercantile side, and somehow they live together, and you have both things. But I think that is, it's it's pity because if they really wanted the money in San Gimignano. They had to take care in another way. But now, the, many people are copying me.
0: Oh, is that true? There are people doing nice things in San Gimignano?
1: Well, it's not that I'm doing nice things, and they're not. But they they are always trying to make fresh wines and sell them quickly. That's, right. That's, that's
0: usually what I think of, is f- yeah. fairly s- straightforward, simple wines that are sold quickly or blended with Chardonnay to give more power. Yes, One of exactly. those two things.
1: To get no more, a little bit of nose, you know. They also put uh, Gewürztraminer to have
0: it. Oh, is that true?
1: Yeah. Because I think that, uh, well, of course, but if you want the truth, if you want truth. The truth is a daughter of time. You know that?
0: So if the foundation were to succeed, what would it look like in the future? If in a few years it were as you wanted it to be, what would that be?
1: I want, I want uh, to have these people coming and going, so they have, they have to make a lot of richness around the world because I want also this foundation to, to be linked to other foundations. I want this kind of idea and of help has been a humanitarian experience that has to join people. This is the important thing. And I think the world is ready for that. We only have this attempt to to go around and spread. And I would love Montenegro to be a center for this, and the center also of culture, the center for studies, a center for about wine, about psychology, about humanity, no no politics, no religions. Just try to share each other simply and get more about nature. Because we really do need to go back to nature in a more simple way.
0: Throughout the history of your state, you've over time added cuvets, new bottlings, made changes. Do you foresee a new bottling in the future coming?
1: Well, I always feel that I don't know enough. I always feel that more I, age comes, and more I understand that I, I, I know very little. I think that my experience begins every year in a new way. There has never been a vintage similar to the other one. As life really, everything comes in. And you have so much to learn, so much to do that I don't know. I don't think that anything new will come, really. Maybe I'll make some more wine for the foundation, maybe. But little by little, Montenegro should support the foundation and be part of it, you know. Of course, I have two children, and I hope that they will join this. They are far away, they have different jobs, but I hope that they will accept this. And this, is, this is, has to be done. This is not that if. It has to be. You see what I mean? This is the thing that is important.
0: Elisabetta Fagioli of Montanitoli. She's building links to humanity through wine. Thank you very much for being here today.
1: Thank you to you. I'm very happy. Thank you.
0: Elisabetta Fagioli of Montanitoli in Tuscany. All Drink to That is hosted and produced by myself, Levi Dalton, Aaron Skella has contributed original pieces. Editorial assistance has been provided by Bill Kimsey. The show music was performed and composed by Rob Moose and Thomas Bartlett. Show artwork by Alicia Tenoyan. T-shirts, sweatshirts, coffee mugs, and so much more, including show stickers, notebooks, and even gift wrap, are available for sale if you check the show website, all pod.com. That's I-L-L-drinktothat, P-O-D.com